this wonderful message, O Lord. Your great love and your peace, Jesus. Your holy and divine inspiration. Help us, dear God, this day. Call upon the name that's above every name. I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. Jesus' name and Jesus' name and Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, dear Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everybody said praise the Lord. It's good to have each and every one of you here this morning. If you have your Bible or need a Bible, we'll try to help you out. Let's take a look at the word of the Lord. Turning to the book of Psalms, Psalm 69 this morning, beginning with verse 1, save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. I would like for you to look also in this psalm at verse 13. But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, you can be seated. The Lord bless you. Good to have you right here in God's house this morning. It is truly a, an amazing fact that the eternal God, as the Bible said, sitteth upon the circle of the earth, that he would be, as David said, mindful of me, that he would look down upon all of us in such a merciful manner. The Bible teaches, for an example, that there was an individual, a woman, who was apprehended in the very act of sin, and um, they brought her to Jesus. They didn't care anything about her. They did not care that she'd sinned. They didn't care about anything except trapping Jesus. That's all they wanted to do. They wanted to catch him somehow to make him look bad. Uh, they had their, obviously they had their problems and their situations, and they were involved with a big cover-up, what it amounted to. So when they bring this woman and they throw her at the feet of Jesus, and they begin to tell him that she was an adulteress, and that she'd been caught in the very act, and that the, the law, referring to the law that came by Moses, the law, they said, this tells us that she should be stoned to death. But what do you say? And, um, of course, Jesus, he pretty much ignored them. He knew what their motivations were. He knew that they didn't care anything about the woman. They didn't care about the situation. They only wanted to use it in an attempt to catch him in his words and that they might somehow accuse him. He was the one that they were really after. And so 
of course, it goes on to tell us that, that Jesus stooped down, he wrote in the ground, he just ignored them. And then he, he told them, I'll tell you what he said, he that is without sin, let that person be the first one to cast a stone. And then he went back to doing what he was doing, ignoring them. And, uh, of course, the Bible teaches that they begin to leave. From the youngest to the oldest, they begin to back out and leave. Uh, being convicted of their conscience. They knew that they had many things wrong in their lives. And of course, you want to remember that this was under the time of the law. All right? The time that you have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read about that, account, those, that one, those four accounts of that one gospel, you read that, those books, you're still reading under the time of the law. For Jesus had not yet given his life on the cross, he had not yet poured out his spirit, and so we're still under the time of the law back then in those readings. And they, uh, these people had their own problems. They, they had their sin. But, of course, they were in a cover-up. They were hiding all that. They bought light off of me, get it on this woman. And at the same time, we're going to use that to make it a deeper cover-up because Jesus is the light, and we're feeling very convicted by the truth, by the light of his truth that is shining upon all of us. And we're being caught out here, and we don't like that. It's a, to them, it was an uncomfortable feeling. They weren't running to truth, they were running from truth. They weren't running to the light, they were running from the light. Scripture teaches that people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So they wanted to stay in the darkness, they wanted to stay undercover. They wanted to keep the cover-up going. And uh, so they, they, they realized that Jesus was this, this great true light. And everywhere he turned and everywhere he preached, that they were being revealed and exposed for who and what they were. So they devised this plan. And uh, next thing you know, though, they all leave. They all run out of there. And uh, here's this woman, and here's Jesus. And he asked her, he said, well... Um, where are those thine accusers, woman? Where where'd they all go? And she said, uh, well, there's no one here but me and thee. Well, there's a good deep lesson in that because I want you to remember that when it comes right down to it, it's going to be you in front of Jesus. That's where it's going to wind up one day for this world. There's not going to be any excuses, finger-pointing, that's going to do any good. Not going to be any scurrying or hiding or running away. The book said they're going to try to flee away from the face of him that sitteth upon that throne that's going to descend down out of heaven and that that time of judgment will take place. But you know, Jesus, Jesus has a way, being the light, he has a way of brightening up the picture. He has a way of taking the darkest, most miserable situation and just cleaning it up and brightening it up. And if we could just learn to call on him and to ask him to save us initially and from then on to keep us saved. That's what the book of Acts is where we're taught and where we see the actual salvation of God take place. And from Romans to Revelation is where we see the people that got that salvation and how they stayed saved and, got re and continued to ready themselves 
for the time when the judgment would take place. For remember, it is appointed unto man once to die, after that, the judgment. So some men, the Bible said, their sins are open, and they've gone on before, all taken care of, where others, their sins are going to follow them. And that's not going to be a good time or a pretty picture. So it's far better to let business be taken care of now. Better that we could join in with the psalmist and he calls to be saved. He's asking for help. He acknowledges his shortcomings, his sin, his iniquity, his transgression. He, all of that. Now God knows all of that. Hiding does no good. Trying to dig a hole and bury it somewhere, not going to do any good. Uh, there is just no other plan if you begin to slow down long enough to consider that, that there is a plan of God, and it's the only plan that can redeem somebody from the sin that they have in their lives. Redeem us from the things that the enemy has uh, brought upon this world. A lot of people want to blame God, and God didn't do it. Okay, That's what I'm telling you. The enemy came right in there with that woman, somehow trying to accuse Jesus Christ. When it wasn't Jesus Christ's fault at all, the devil is always going to try to throw mud on one of God's people. He's always going to try to slander. And you've got to awaken up to the tricks of the devil. You've got to learn how he operates so you can get the victory over him. The Bible said he only comes around to steal and to destroy and to kill, to pluck up what's planted. He comes as an angel of destruction, a messenger of destruction. No matter how he paints the billboard, no matter what beautiful colors he uses and what artistry he puts to it, all the psychologically oriented pictures that he'll bring out, images, you better understand that behind that, friend, the real truth of the matter is that he's come to destroy. He's come to slander. He's come to kill. He's come to tear up. He has not come to town to do something good. He's come to town to do something nasty. Because that's his nature. That's what he does. He don't know anything about somebody getting saved. He doesn't have any mercy in him. He has no love about him. Everything that Jesus Christ represents, he is opposite that. And I'm glad, though, that Jesus Christ does bring to us his love. He so loved this world, the book said, that he provided that flesh on the cross that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Up to you to start exercising that faith you've got in the right direction, in the right one, in the right plan. Save me, O oh God. I begin to call out, save me, O oh God. Help me here. Help me out. Begin to realize the problems you have, the situations you have, whether you create it or somebody else brings it into your life. But you know the bottom line is that enemy. And we're not uh, going to stand around and make excuses. You heard about the devil going down the street and he was sitting on a log whittling some wood and uh, came by and said, he's crying, he came by and said, Mr. Devil, why are you sitting there whittling wood and crying? He said, because a bunch of them church folks down there blaming me for things I didn't do. Well, you know, you can get in a rut over it, too, you're trying to say. You can just make that devil an excuse for you and then keep on doing what you're doing, okay? Better to realize that his spirit doesn't care 
which way you go with it as long as you don't go the salvation route. That's the way he does not want you to go. And he will do anything to turn you to the right and turn you to the left. Until he can get you rolling, then he can back off. He don't even have to bother with you anymore because he's got you. He's got you so wrapped up in this life. The writer said, save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. He said, I sink in deep mire. You can get so deep into this mess that I'm telling you, the enemy can just about ignore you because he's got you so wrapped up in this mess of a life. Got you sinking in that miry, nasty clay out there and that horrible, deep pit. And the more that you wiggle and the more that you struggle, the, the deeper that you sink into this sinful lifestyle. People get don't realize, but there are spirits in these lifestyles, and you can get uh, uh, to a place to where you can, you're in something and you can't get out. And you find yourself in, a, in, in something that it's well over your head. Now hear me, that's why the writer said, save me. He said, save me, O God, for the waters are come unto my soul. I'm in a mess here. It's, this is, your soul is your life. It's your eternal entity about you that's going to spend he- uh, either in heaven or in hell. You're going to be somewhere for all of eternity. You can be in that place of bliss. You can be in that place of joy. You can be in that place where the writer said there's not going to be any of the former things. There's not going to be sickness. There's not going to be pain. There's not going to be suffering. You can choose to be in that place. Or you can choose to be with all of that bad stuff for all of eternity and the one that is behind all of it. It's up to you. You really do have an opportunity and a choice here. It is a heavenly opportunity. And you want to begin to join with the wise people who cried out and said, "Uh, Save me, God. Save me here. I can't do this myself. Religion cannot do this for me. Man cannot do this for me. Money cannot do this for me. There's no amount of talent that can do this for me. I need you, Lord. I need you. And you can know this. He is God, and you can know his name. You can call him God, and that's nice, but you might want to wake up at some point. You need to wake up at some point and get his name, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's his name above every name. I love every title that belongs to him. I'm glad he's the everlasting father. I'm glad he's the almighty God. I'm glad he's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. But I'm glad above all that that I know his name. And his name is Jesus Christ. And being baptized in his name is how my sins get forgiven and washed away. All right. Everybody said praise the Lord. The writer carried something on a little bit further here in Psalm 70. I enjoy this, uh, particularly because I guess um, I find myself very often in a hurry. But the writer said, make haste, O God. Imagine, tell God to hurry up. You know, kind of like when you get behind that slow driver and you're in a hurry, you know, you're honking the horn. And you're, come on, come on, come on. You know, and all of that. And you, you start preaching to that. Come on, old man, get out of the way. Pretty soon you find out you're an old man. So make, make haste. Now, I don't know anything about that. I'm a young man. But, and I had a guy tell me that the other day. You know, I really had a breakthrough the other day. I, um, I had two people knock on my door. And uh, when I opened the door, I knew who they were. And uh, they didn't get a word in edgewise. I started bringing the book, chapter and verse, and very nicely to them in a very good spirit. And when I, when I took a moment and looked at the person, she she said, um, you see this? We're handing this out, and it, and it says, 
um, the truth. She said, the question is, do you want to know the truth? I said, woman, I'm trying to tell you I got the truth. You're making me feel like my preaching is ineffectual here. I just, just told you for the last five or six minutes without taking a breath. Chapter and verse. Got it. And uh, she said, oh, okay. And so I told her, I said, uh, I, I'd like for you to go read Acts 2.38. And the other lady standing behind just looking at her. Just looking at her. And, uh, but she didn't say nothing either. And, uh, but I was just as nice and polite as could be. Told them the chapter and the verse. Asked her to go read Acts 2.38. Down the road they toddled. And, well, I went outside later on. I had to do something, and um, without that, two more came walking. And uh, I told the guy, I saw the Bible under his arm, and I said, I said that, uh, that's a good book you got there. I said, how about reading Acts 2.38? And he said, he said, well, I'll do that, young man. And I said, well, thank you for making my day. <laughs> he said, well, you're so energetic. I said, yes, I am. And so... He went on down the road, and they got in their car, and they were, I was still outside, and they, I went and did something. I was walking back down the road, and they, they came driving down the road, and he had the window down, and he yelled. He said, hey, I read that Acts 238. He said, that's a good scripture. And I said, yes, it is. And he said, thank you, young man. I said, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, there are many rewards to doing the work of the Lord. So you just be out there telling somebody about it. So the writer said, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to save me. He shall, his name is Jesus Christ, and he shall save his people or deliver his people from their sins. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O God. I want you to want God to get in a hurry about saving you, to step up the program in your life. Know what you're asking of, though, because you're going to have to, at some point, Tell yourself that this part of this salvation is repentance. That I've got to tell the Lord, He told me we have to repent. It's in His Word. If we don't repent, we will perish. What God is saying is not only are you to say you're sorry but for being so sorry, but you're to tell God, I'm going to stop living that kind of lifestyle. I'm going to stop living the way I've been living all this time. I'm going to turn away from that. All those things that the enemy has been having his way in my life, I'm going to turn my back on the devil, and I'm going to turn towards you. That's repentance. We're going, that's Bible repentance. We're going to get a new pattern, a new way of thinking, a new way of walking, a new way of talking, a whole new way of living and an outlook on life. We're going to see it through the eyes of Jesus Christ. We're going to look through the way the church brings it to us and we're going to learn the culture of the church. We're going to learn the way and the lifestyle that the church teaches. That's what Romans to Revelation is for. That first and foremost, you come through the experience that was given and shown in the book of Acts when Jesus gave birth to his church. When that's the only congregation that you should want to be a part of. It is a universal congregation. It is everywhere, all over the earth, and you want to be a part of that body of Christ. And the way the Bible teaches is for you to repent of your sins. Okay, God, I'm sorry. You know, if you want God to get in a hurry, you might want to step up the program on your part. God will do his part. You make sure you do your part. 
Did it not say, draw nigh unto him, draw near unto him, and he will draw near unto you? And from what the scriptures teach, then it's pretty much believed that if you take one step to God, he's going to take two big ones towards you. He's going to react to your reaction, to your action. And he's going to definitely have the angels ready to get out the crying towel. No, we're going to throw the crying towel away. He's going to get the angels to get out and get ready to rejoice. Because one person that makes up in their heart's mind that I'm done with sin, I'm done with unbelief, I'm done with the devil. Save me, oh God. Here I come. You've got me on your hands. I want to be on your program. I want to be on your payroll. I want to be one of your children. I want to be in your congregation. I want you to be responsible for me. Here I am. Help me. Make haste. Help me. So remember, when you ask God to make haste, and there's nothing wrong with that, just make sure that you're ready to get in gear. Make sure that, you know, about the time you're mad at the person in front of you because they're going so slow, and, and, and they obviously they crawl through the intercession, intersection, and you're left at the red light. They waited till it turned yellow, and they creepy crawled through, and it Turned red, and you looked left and saw the sheriff and said, well, I'm sitting right here. Glad I saw him. Well, by the time that happened, then you know what happens to you. You get playing with the radio, the CD, or you're down in the glove box or something. All of a sudden, honk! And now it's you sitting there, and the light's green. You know? Well, just make sure when you ask God to hurry up that he's not honking at you. Make sure that you're hurrying up. Make sure that what you're asking for, you're going to get with it. Okay? So make haste, O God. I want you to deliver me. I want you to save me. I, the waters are too much over my head. And I'm, it's an overflow here. And I'm sinking, Lord. I'm sinking into the mess of this life. And, and it just keeps getting worse in my life. And I, I need your help. And you know what? Even if you feel like your life is pretty good, you still must be born again of water and of the Spirit if you've got enough foresight to realize that you're going to one day pass from this world and this dimension that it is appointed unto you once to die and there will be a judgment let's get all of that taken care of now have a little foresight anybody can have hindsight I should have done I should have done but if we could get a little foresight I already did it I already did it already taken care of How? what an opportunity we have to call on him now today right now and begin to make the step I will repent because you said except I do that I'll perish so I'm believing what you're saying so I'm doing it I'm doing it I'm repenting I'm repenting and as you repent then the Bible said you're to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ and it's for the full pardon of all of your sins the blood is in the name of Jesus Christ. When we baptize you in water, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are burying that old sinful nature that you repented of. We're burying that. That's what we call the old Egyptian. We bury that because baptism is a burial. And as we bury that old nature, when you start coming up, when I bring you up, out of, and we've got a bat in a thousand, we bring everybody back up. We don't leave anybody down there drowning. We bring you up. Okay? Okay. So we bring you up in the name of Jesus Christ. That's when you get born again of water, right there. You're coming up out of the waters for new birth. And the heavens are opened over your life at that point. And you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost from that point on. 
if you'll put your heart right squarely in the hands of the Master and tell him, I want this great salvation. I want to be born again. Now that I'm born again of water, I want to be born again of the Spirit. Okay, we can use any water, but we don't want just any Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit. A lot of people got a Spirit, but it ain't holy. We want that Holy Spirit. And everybody said amen. Well, give God a big hand. Come on. Hello. Some people uh, only equate things with money. And, um, but listen to what the writer said here. He said, but I am poor and needy. Was he really talking about money? Can you realize the spiritual poverty that people are in because they just don't know? And their lives are in a mess. And the writer was acknowledging here, and I'm telling you, those people that came and threw that woman at the feet of Jesus Christ, they suddenly begin to get a little bit aware of what poverty spiritually was in their life. They begin to realize, as Jesus said, well, he that's without sin. And everybody started thinking, oh, wait a minute. I got some of that. Guess I better get out of here. And they begin to back out like a bunch of Louisiana crawfish. They begin to back out of that, that place where they had taken this woman and threw her at the feet of Jesus. Came there with the wrong intent. Came there with the wrong motive. They didn't come there about salvation. They came there to destroy. That spirit that was on them, no matter I don't, how much they quoted the law, the word of God, the devil can quote the Bible. Now, you read your Bible, you'll find that out. Okay? Cast thyself down, you'll be the son of God. Given... Angels charged concerning thee, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. He was quoting, quoting quite well. But he was nothing but a devil. The devil will use anything, and he will twist it, he will pervert it. He will get you to misapply it. He will take it out of context. He will get you to use the word of God and get you to tempt God with it. And that's exactly what he got told. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You've got to get subject matter. You've got to work with the Bible the way it's said, that you're to rightly divide the word of truth, line upon line, precept upon precept, subject matter, here a little and there a little, putting the pieces together that gives you the big picture of what God's talking about. The Bible does not contradict itself. John 3.16 does not contradict Acts 2.38, folks, and Acts 2.38 does not contradict John 3 and 5. This is woven together. This is the Word of God. This is not a contradiction. The only contradiction is in that unbelieving heart going on up there because being affected by the wrong spirit that wants you to just keep on doing what you think you want to do. You don't realize it's the devil's bidding that you're doing and that he's got you started down a wrong path and leaves you so he can go find somebody else. He knows he's got you all wrapped up in the wrong thing. You, you see people and they claim to believe this Bible and then shut their eyes to certain chapter and verses. Shut their eyes to certain things that it teaches. I had one man that I trained that told me flatly, he said, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. And I said, well, what are you saying? He said, I, I can't 
do what you say. And I said, well, well, then I guess you don't believe what it says, what we wrote down and what you signed. It's right there that you were to be obedient to the leadership and to them that have the rule over you. And I said, so what are you saying to me? What's next that you're not going to believe? Acts 2.38, where are you going with it? But yet somebody trying to claim that they're doing for Jesus while they quote some part of the Bible. you got to get your heart right with God. you got to let him get everything out of there that is opposite him. Let let him clean up the inside of that heart. Every bit of it. I was in a little restaurant in town. And I, I like that place. I like the people. I witness to them all the time. And uh, But, you know, they need made for you. That's the cleaning service in town. They need them. They need them to come in there and clean that place really good. Whatever hours they're shut down of operation, they need made for you to come right in there. Those people know how to clean. Well, let me tell you something. God knows how to clean. God knows how to clean. He doesn't come in and just do a little bit and leave a cobweb over here. And a, you know, We had to move something at the house. And you know there's some things you have some places. You don't just always get those things moved you know, under the bed. You know what I mean? And uh, different places. Maybe you have something that's a little heavy. And, and uh, we had to move something the other day, and my wife went. She was going nuts. Absolutely. She ran screaming and found the dust thing, came back. I said, well, you know, dust is just dead skin, honey. And I said, and it floats in the air. Watch when the sun hits, and you'll see that particles in the, in, the, in the sunshine there. I said, that's dead skin. And I said, that's dust. That's what it is. And I said, and it goes wherever it wants to go, wherever it finds itself Settling, and sometimes it settles in places that you don't even see or you can't get to. But you know what? That's the way sin is. But you know what? My God, he, he, he must be the author of Made for You, friend, because he, he started that business. Because I'm telling you, he don't miss one little speck of sin. When he gets into your life and you make a good repentance before him, he's going to come in there and he's going to clean that place up. He's going to get all of that mess out of there for you. Amen, and amen, and amen. Amen. And you want that, because you don't want to get to the judgment, and suddenly, you don't want that. You don't want that. And you want, ain't nothing there. Ain't nothing there. That's right, because that's what the blood does. You know, the blood absolutely you get baptized and people don't want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, they're going to have all kinds of dirt. They're going to have all kinds of garbage because that's what the blood does. It gathers up and takes out all of that refuse, all of that garbage, all of that dirt, all of that mess out of your spiritual system just like it does to your natural system. But we're talking not about my blood that flows through my body every 13 seconds here. We're ta- and, and I got enough arteries in me for a global airline, and so do you. Imagine the speed with which it's traveling through us, taking care of everything, that old heart of yours just pumping away. That's why there's certain places in your body you can cut, like your artery up here or your femur uh, artery down there, and, and you bleed out in a matter of seconds. Because that heart of yours is pumping, pumping. It's doing what it's supposed to do. But if, if you get a bad cut in the wrong place, friend, it's, it's still pumping. But it's just going right out. Okay. And you'll bleed out and you'll die. 
So I'm saying to you that you want to understand something. This blood of Jesus Christ, friend, when you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, it goes to work. And it absolutely gets all of that mess washed away out of your spiritual life. And you are now a clean, new creation in Christ Jesus. You've got an innocency that comes to you pre-Adam and Eve's sin. You have an innocency about you now. Your mind is washed. Your heart is cleansed. Your spirit is cleansed. You are absolutely right at that moment a brand new babe in Christ Jesus. And it's a most wonderful feeling when you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost after you've been baptized in Jesus' name. You are a new creature. New creature. Amen. Brand new creation. You were created in Christ Jesus. How wonderful. How beautiful. And once that takes place, and then you begin, you are told to begin to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you don't persist in the same old, same old. You don't do that. You're a brand new baby. I saw this, uh, we had a little girl here the other day, yesterday, yesterday, we had a big outreach yesterday, we've been planning it for weeks, and uh, so, you know, you set a date, and after a while it rolls around, so the uh, yesterday was the day, and, and we had uh, about 65 people in here, and Sister Mary cooked breakfast for them, and man, they had a great breakfast, it was good down there, and so, um, had some prayer, and uh, gave everybody their flyers for the conference, and out they went to different areas that they were sent to with different captains, and we just had a great time. And uh, while they were out there uh, doing the good work of the Lord, and while this day took place and everybody had such a fun time, you know, you, you begin to realize that we've been called to something here, and we, this is the purpose that we've been created for. We are in, in Christ Jesus, that we are uh, to be this light, and we are to be this city set upon a hill, and we are to bring the truth to people. Bring the truth. Uh, again, the psalmist, I believe I read it to you early, he said, in the truth of thy salvation. The, he talked about the multitude of God's mercy in the truth of thy salvation. That there, there is a mercy here that comes to you, and his mercies are new every day. You can start every day off fresh and brand new. These are not to be excuses, though, to do something wrong. These are not to be excuses to persist in a, in a former lifestyle. You, you, you get that buried when we baptize you in Jesus' name. You don't want to go digging up that old dead stuff, you know. That's one of the gross things about an alligator. You know, alligators got those dugouts down under the canals and, and the sides of the canals, and, and uh, they, get, they get something, get a dog or whatever it gets, a bird or a turtle, and, and they'll take it down in that dugout after they've killed it, and they'll leave it there, and they'll come back and visit it after a while and chomp on it, and then come back another day and chomp on it, you know, and they feast on that for a long time. And imagine how decayed and nasty that is. Do you know that a bear, if a bear swipes you with its claws, you probably will not die? Chances are you will not die from his big paw and the, the blow of it, and it, it's going to be all that bacteria that's on his, his big long claws, that when he cuts you, it goes into your bloodstream. And that's what you'll probably die from, the, the bacteria in that wound that he has created. Don't you understand that Jesus Christ wants to take you wounds and warts and everything else and all, and he wants to clean you up. And he wants you to become a new creature through the born-again experience, a new creation. All things are passed away. 
And behold, I'm here, Lord, as a babe to learn all things new now. Teach me how the church does it. Teach me how you do it. Teach me how you want it done. I don't want to go back or revert back to my old way. I don't want to be a gossip anymore. I don't want to be hateful anymore. I don't want to be quarrelsome anymore. I don't want to be a cusser anymore. I don't want those things any longer. Amen. Repented of those things. I don't want to be a drunkard anymore. I don't want to be a whoremonger anymore. I don't want to be a, a, a dope addict anymore. I don't want these things. That means I want to be delivered from the spirits of the enemy that inspires these things in people's lives. And people like those people that came and threw the woman at his feet are powerless because without the born-again experience, you are powerless. No wonder the writer said, save me. The waters are, are coming up here coming into my life. There are things coming into my life here, God. Help me. Help me. Help me. And make haste. Oh, God, hurry up. Well, you know what? You can pray hurry up if you'll hurry up. I'm telling you that. You can ask God to make haste to save you. Just make sure you're making haste to repent. Make sure that you're making a haste to obey His Word, to do what it said. And the only thing you really need to focus on is three things. Repent, water baptism in Jesus' name, and getting the Holy Ghost. Three simple things. Three it is the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. But man, the devil, through man and religion, makes it difficult. They tried to make it overly simple. Well, just shake a hand or just sign this card. But in doing so, they make it difficult because they get man's mind all confused because they're saying things that aren't in the book and that the book doesn't teach and it's going against what God said. God has a plan. God is exact. God brought that plan to planet Earth. He, God was manifest in the flesh. Man saying, save me. God said, I'm coming. I'm coming. And let's remember, he said he looked and couldn't find anybody. He said, so I'm coming myself. I'm coming. I'm coming. And so God was manifest in the flesh. Amen. He did the job in the flesh. Spirit in flesh. That's your revelation. Spirit in flesh. You don't ever worry about both, we, them, whatever. You understand there's one God, and His name above every name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'll take that name and crown it on top of all the titles. And if the titles reach from here to the third heaven, you just remember, like Paul, you get to the third heaven at the very top of the top of the top. You're going to get that name, Jesus Christ, because that's the name above every name. <laughs> going to be at the top, friend. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. If you're gonna, if you're gonna get there, then you're gonna get that name in your heart. You're gonna get washed at, by the blood that's in that name. Amen. And they were powerless. All they had was the law, and the law they didn't recognize was a schoolmaster, and it was to bring them to this New Testament grace. It was to bring them to the truth of the salvation of God. And everything back then, from, shall we say, from John all the way back to Genesis, all of that, friend, was something in shadow and type. It was a preview. It was showing you what's to come. And that's why Jesus said, there's one that stands among you whom you know not. You've been wanting them. You've been saying, hurry up, and I'm here, and all you can do is talk bad about me and want to crucify me. Oh, how you're being deceived by the enemy. The very thing you need is the very thing you're fighting. 
Don't resist me. Don't fight me. Don't frustrate my grace. I've come that you might have this, this life, and that you might have it more abundantly. So you've got to repent so you can get rid of all your natural carnal defenses. You've got to get rid of that. You've got to put all the shields down. And you've got to say, okay, Lord. That's where the woman was at. The woman was at well, where are those non-accusers? Nobody here but you and me. This is it. Mano y mano. That means face to face. And there she was. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, accusers are gone. He said, neither do I accuse you. You know, the Bible said God's ready to pardon. God doesn't get anything about, you did it wrong. I don't get anything out of that. God and the angels get a whole lot out of, you're forgiven. Repent. Get baptized in my name. I'll wash you in my blood. I'll fill you with my spirit. And you'll be a newborn babe in Christ Jesus. And you are to desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. And you begin to grow in the church and in the ways of the, of the teachings of the church. And and. It's like somebody said to me one time, they called a particular, could have called Haitian, could have called Chinese, could have called Spanish, could have called American, could have called anything they wanted. You know, I'm a Haitian Christian. And I said, there ain't no such thing. What you become is what he makes you. It's not what you were. It's, it's, I'm not running to Italian Day or Irish Day down in some park somewhere or Indian Day to beat the bongo. I'm not going there, friend. I'm going to church. I'm going to worship God. I'm not a part of those things and that lifestyle anymore. That's not what is uppermost in my life. I'm not interested in somebody. Uh, I, I, I'm going to use those uh, languages to reach people. But I'm not interested in living that lifestyle anymore. I'm interested in using that language to get somebody to come out of that lifestyle and come into the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the church where we love one another because we love God, because He loved us first while we were yet sinners and weak and corrupt. He loved us. Amen. Jesus made it clear. Friend, He made it crystal clear. They said uh, days of His earthly ministry, days of His flesh. They said uh, got a big crowd all around Him and He's sweating and He's preaching and teaching and and uh, somebody yells out and says, Hey, said thy mother and thy brethren, sisters are standing without. They can't get to you. And he said, And who is my mother and my brother and my sister? He said, It's them that hear the word of God and keep it. Them that do the will of God. That's who I'm going to identify with. You're talking about getting away from all the earthly and fleshly things where people put so much emphasis on those things that they will abandon the Word of God because it's family. You better know who the family is, friend. The family is the body of Christ, and Jesus Christ is the head, and the church, the pastor is the visible head. You better get your mind on the Word of God. Amen. Amen. You're going to claim to be a brother, you better show forth that you are a brother by, by what you're doing, how you're speaking, or a sister. Okay? All right. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise he said, man, I sink in deep mire. 
That woman had sunk, friend. She had sunk, and she felt like her boat was sunk. And Jesus said, neither do I accuse thee. But he put a little something there that a lot of people read over or don't preach. He said, go and sin no more. Neither do I accuse thee. Go and sin no more. And in subject matter, said, lest a worse thing come upon thee. Oh, friend, it's bad enough. I'm sinking in the mire here. And now he's forgiven me. He's given me this opportunity. I can repent of my sins. Okay, Lord, check it up. I did it. I'm, 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 I got the repentance thing down. I've died to my way, my thinking, what I want, what I want. I'm learning obedience here, okay? You ever read that in the Bible? That he learned obedience by the things which he suffered? Okay, well, there's a lot of things that we have suffered at the hands of the enemy and sin, and hopefully through that we can learn to be obedient to God, that we can turn it into something positive. And so uh, that's what we, this woman did. This woman is saying, okay, I'm learning here, okay. Don't do it anymore. We're going to repent. We're not going to do that anymore. And then if we can further teach you what the Scripture said, and we can baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ. Now you've been obedient to two things. Now you're going to get the gift of the Holy Ghost, and when you do, now you've been obedient to three things. We're on a roll here. We're stringing together spiritual experiences, and we're building a great resume before God's throne. And now we're stepping into the realm of Romans to Revelation, and we're going to preach, and we're going to read, and we're going to study, and we're going to be taught. And pretty soon, one of these days, woo, we're going to grow up, and we're going to be a teacher ourselves. We're going to witness the people. We're not just going to teach them with our mouths, but we're going to teach them how we live. We live the lifestyle of the church. Oh, yes. Remain standing. You know, it's a uh, man walked into the church house one time, and he, he, said, uh, he said, boy, this is a great place. He said, man, we could really, it's perfect. We could set up and play bingo here. Obviously, he was lost. And uh, so, the pastor, you know, you, you try not to just clobber everybody. So the pastor just smiled and he said, yeah, he said, if we believed in it. You know, there's some things the church doesn't believe in. There's some things the church doesn't do. I want to learn what the church does do. I want to learn what the church does believe in. I want to be about the things of God. I'm not interested in gambling. I'm not interested in getting involved with that. Of course, you heard about the, the airplane that was dropping in altitude. It, something was wrong, and it was going down. And the people on board were screaming, and the waitresses, uh, waitresses, the stewardesses were being knocked around and trying to gain their balance as that plane was descending very rapidly from 36,000 feet. And uh, somebody began to cry, is there any, anybody here? Anybody here is a preacher? Nobody answered. How about a rabbi? Nobody answered. Does anybody can pray? One little timid hand went up. I used to live next to a church. I, I could pray like they prayed. Okay, anything, man. We're in trouble here. He said, 36, 45, 92, bingo! We want to we wanna show them what Jesus is all about. We want to we wanna get this, and we want to grow in grace and knowledge in this, and we want to represent this and Him to a lost and a dying world. A lot of being a teacher is about teaching by your lifestyle. It's written in 1 Peter chapter 3. 
Talks about your conversation, which is your style of life, your style of living. You don't always have to tell people that you don't go where they shoot up dope. You just don't go there. Come on, man. We're going. Got to go. Got to go somewhere else. Where you going? Going to church. Oh. You don't go there? No. You used to go there. That's right. I used to. I'm an ex-sinner. Yes. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Let's lift our hearts with our hands and worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I want to clap a little louder than before. I want to sing a little louder than before. Oh, oh, oh. I want to jump a little higher than before. Shout a little louder than before. Oh, oh, oh. 